Well, good morning. It's a great morning. Um, before we dive in, um, my job is to update you on the finances we do periodically. First, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody give yourself a giant hand for being faithful givers. So this year, we are only 3% under on our giving, which is really good considering that everything costs twice as much. I'm not even, don't get me started, because I'm going to talk about love and how we're supposed to be kind. Never mind. Um, and then part of the issue with us is expenses. We had a few things that were uh, over budget, and I messed with Jason, and he left, I noticed, because his department is way over budget. And that's where, I don't know, he was here first service, but now he knew to disappear. So it's Mikey's department that is, you don't even have a department, huh? Just like, <laughs> All of that to say, look, if you guys would prayerfully consider above and beyond your normal giving, to help us get at the end of the year, please pray, okay? Um, and if you need a word from the Lord on exactly how much to give, see Pastor Doug at the end of service. He has a word of knowledge for you. Um, but I want to invite, before we dive into the word this morning, I want to invite my dear friend Tom Ward to come up. Give Tom a giant new life welcome. So... Tom and I have known each other for many decades. I don't even know how many, but it's been many. And Tom actually walked in for service and said, hey, I really feel like the Lord has a word for the congregation this morning. So I haven't seen Tom for... Since connection. Yeah, so that was a year or whatever, six, yeah, eight months ago, whatever. So anyway, he has a word, and it really dovetails into what God is saying. So please... Let's give our attention. Whenever I give a word, I try and base it, or the Lord has blessed me with being able to base it on a scripture. And out of 1 Samuel 17, verse 47, it says, this is just before David is going to cut off Goliath's head. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword nor spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. I saw this picture this morning of a, of a child and a father standing off to the side. And the child was, was doing a, a project, an assignment. And the father wasn't standing there in judgment. He was standing in, in loving care. And then the, I saw the child look over at the father. And the father steps in and says, now it's my turn. So many of us struggle with stuff addictions and things like that, even though we're, we've been commissioned with an assignment. And God was, in that picture, God, the Father God was proud of what the son, child, daughter, wife, sorry, child was doing. Yeah, all that. And he steps in because he loves. That's what it's all about. He loves us enough to, when we do our part, then he is obligated to do his part. Right? That's, that's the way it is. He loves us enough to go ahead and do it. Then he says, okay, my turn. My turn. You guys will understand the connection here. We are finishing our series on living by design, and we're talking about uh, design for love. Everybody say design for love. That's how God designed us. Aren't you glad that God designed us for love? How many of you guys know in the garden it was perfect? Come on. 
Wouldn't it be great to get back to the garden? Do you guys know Jesus is coming back to straighten that out? Right? So my, my hope is that all of us will be accused of loving so well that the world would just change their definition of Christianity. How many of you guys know right now when people talk about Christianity, loving well isn't the first thing on the list? Just saying. So when Tom had this picture this morning, it's exactly what you and I have to learn to do. We have to let go of certain things to let God get his hands on it so we can learn to love like Jesus. Because I can't love like Jesus when I keep my hands and I'm in control. I can't do it. I want to do it. Come on, how many guys love pretty well? Come on, it's okay. I love pretty well. But it's that last 10% window that just really jacks you up. Come on, how do you know you're still jacked up because you're mad at your boss? Or the guy that cut you off on the freeway? Or your children when they say something and it just creates a spark inside? Some parents are like, that's right, brother. Get my kids back in here. Preach to them. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to go back to some of the original design. Um, And then we're going to talk about love. And we're going to worship. And then I'm going to yell at you a little more. In love. Everybody say love. Do you know the dad? You got the picture this morning. The dad loved his son, but he wanted to help him. How many guys know Papa loves us so much and he wants to help us, but some of us won't let him? Remember that when we come back later, okay? Really important. Genesis 1, starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Everybody say, in our image. In our likeness. Say, in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the word image in the Hebrew literally means resemblance representing the figure. So the word is used 17 times in the Old Testament, and it refers to looks and appearance. Okay, so. God says two very specific things at the very beginning of creating humankind. He says two specific words. One is we create you in our image and in our likeness. Image means you look and I look kind of like God in some way, shape or form. How many of you guys know God is a pretty good looking guy then? Some of you caught that. Thank you. The second one is in his likeness. Everybody say likeness. So watch the definition of likeness. The Hebrew word for likeness is derived from the root word that means compared to or to be like, and is often translated as word thought. The difference between being created in his image and being created in his likeness has to do with how we think and act rather than how we look. So when God says, I create you in my image, you kind of look like me. But what he really is saying when it comes to likeness is, I actually want you to act like me. Is God love? Is he love? How do you know God is love? Well, he says it. I guys know the generic answer is, well, God says it. How many guys have ever felt God's love? 
right? You should. If he created us and he is love, even if you're not a Christian, I think you could feel God's love because you were created by him. But, but the real question for some of us, I think, is I've been a Christian for many, many years, almost 40. And the more honest I'm learning to be with myself, <laughs> the harsh reality is I still don't love the way Jesus loves. I try to love really well. But there's certain things in my life that when it hits something, it triggers something and love kind of flies out the window. OK, we'll, we'll come back to that. So everybody say likeness. I want to talk about loving like Jesus. I mean, I know that's the goal. But come on, how many of you guys have been Christian for quite a while? And we know that Jesus is 100 percent God, 100 percent man. But then when it tells us to love like Jesus, we pull out that. But it's Jesus. Have you ever said that when it comes to certain things? Yeah, but gee, it's Jesus. Do you guys know he was 100% man? Do you believe that? Do you believe he had the same struggles as you and I? Do you believe he had to choose to love that it wasn't just automatic because God? He had to choose it. What does that mean? In his likeness, you and I can love like him. But most of us have decided that that's not real and I really can't love that way. And we kind of use that as our excuse to get by with some of the stuff that's not so loving. Thank you. One, one O in the room. <laughs> the rest of us are like, dang, dude, knock it off. OK, so watch. I, I love what um, Hebrew word study. This this is Skip Moen, Ph.D. So this is Hebrew scholarship. I want you to. To look along, it should be up on the screen. Applying both the pictographic and linguistic insights to this Genesis passage helps us see our likeness. Everybody say our likeness. It is a statement about the bridge between God and man. That bridge is found in the covenant that exists as soon as God forms man. In other words, when God determined to form his representative on earth, to empower this representative with his authority to bring order to creation, God formed a covenant bridge between heaven and earth. Man is that bridge. Man participates in both the heavenly directive and the earthly engagement. To be in God's likeness is to stand over the gap between heaven and earth to provide a pathway so that what is true in heaven becomes true on earth. To be in God's likeness is to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and then go about making it happen. What's happening in heaven? Is everything in heaven based on God's love? Do you guys believe that? Do you think everything that God created and everything he does is, is based on love? If perfect love is in heaven... And God created you and I to express that love on earth. Where are the disconnects, right? If, if what this Hebrew definition and, and Skip Moen's idea is that you and I are supposed to take what is in heaven and release it on earth. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Where, where is that familiar? What did Jesus say? Come on, guys. What did Jesus say? The disciples said, hey, teach us how to pray. Why? Because God had a connection with the father that they didn't. Please catch this. It wasn't because Jesus was religious. 
It's because God, Jesus, would go talk to the Father, and when he talked to the Father, he would come back, and miracles and craziness happened. Come on. That's what happened when Jesus went away. So what did they say? Hey, teach us how to pray. And he said, great. Right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? You guys, all, we all know that. Right? On earth, everybody say on earth. As it is in heaven. So you and I are supposed to be living out heaven on earth. And the number one factor of all of creation is God's love for people. Your job and my job is to love God and to love others. How do we know that? Because Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Guys, remember the religious people were trying to trap Jesus. You guys remember the story? Right. They didn't really care for the answer. They were trying to trap him and they're like, we're going to get him. Hey, okay, Mr. There's 600 plus laws and commandments. So they're like, we got him this time. Okay, which one, Mr. Smart guy? Which one is the most important? I think Jesus, I don't know if he said it out loud, but I think he said this. That's easy. How many guys know if you if you were a rabbi back in that day, that would not have been an easy question for any rabbi to answer. I think Jesus went, oh, gosh, that one's so easy. Can't you guys come up with tougher questions than that? I'll tell you what it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And he said the second one is just like it. Love others the way you love yourself. One of my questions today is, how well do you love yourself? Is one of the reasons the world's not seeing the love of the Father as much as maybe they should is because we maybe don't love ourselves the way we should? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you beat yourself up because of certain things in life? You don't have to raise your hand, but I will. How many of you guys really struggle with self-worth sometimes? Issues and problems sometimes, I. I can't even, I'll have to jump off the stage. Why do I say that? I don't think we're really honest sometimes about how much stuff is happening inside of us. But Jesus wants us to go there to heal us. Amen? So let's look at heart, soul, and mind. So when you say, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, what does that mean? So let's look at the word heart. The word heart is cardia. How many of you guys have heard of that word before? Cardiac. He had a cardiac arrest. How many of you guys have heard that saying before? How many do not want that to happen to you? Okay. The word cardia, the effective center of our being and the capacity of moral preference, desire producer that makes us tick, i.e. our desire decisions that establish who we really are. When the Bible uses the word heart, check this out, it's mentioned over 800 times in Scripture, but never referring to the literal pump that drives blood. It's never talking about when you and I think heart, we think of this beating organ in us. Never once is it used in Scripture that way. 800 times it used, it's talking about literally who you really are. And as I was studying this week, I'm sitting there looking at cardia, cardiac. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, we, we need a heart attack. My body needs a heart attack. Not, 
the physical heart, but the real heart of every individual needs to be awakened by my love. And I thought, God, there's areas of my heart that I need you to awaken. There's areas of my life still, God, as much as I try to love you, I need you to give me a heart attack, the real me. I need you to grip my heart because I become cold and callous to the things of this earth. Anybody critical in here? Let's look at the word soul. These would be words that we're familiar with, psyche. It's a person's distinctive identity, i.e. individual personality. The soul, that's where we get our word psychology. The soul is the direct aftermath of God breathing or blowing the gift of life into a person, making them an ensouled being. So this, this is literally the individual personality. Like everybody is uniquely made by God. So our heart is the desire producer. It's what makes us tick. It's where we make decisions do you guys know that our, our heart, soul, and mind is where we live, right in here, right? The Bible doesn't talk about your brain so much. It talks about your heart and soul. How many of you guys know consciously you make decisions right in here? And then here's what's crazy. Your brain takes the information on the choices you make, and it starts hardwiring your brain. Listen very carefully. If you and I were raised in the Garden of Eden... And every day the father came down pre-fall of man and he told you how beautiful you were, how wonderful you were, how amazing you were, and your brain got hardwired to pure love and kindness. How many think you would live different today? That's God's heart and desire. Can I encourage you? Jesus is coming back one day to reestablish that. Until then, we are stuck in the fallen nature of man. How many of you guys are a little ticked off at Adam? Come on. When I first became a Christian, I was just a little, I was like, you start reading the book and you're like, you, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to punch that guy when I get to heaven. And then the Lord's like, you would have done it quicker than him. And I'm like, I don't like what you just said. Watch. Let's talk about the mind. Many people think Christians are mindless, that our mind is checked out, that we have blind faith. I would challenge you to go back, even just in the last 2,000 years of church history, and look at how many scientists and leaders globally for 2,000 years were committed Christians. You're going to be shocked to find out. Only in the last 150, 200 plus years has there been a greater divide between science and Christianity. Do you know in God's heart and mind there's no division between science and him? Because he made it all. I love it. The the more science we get, the more it proves what the Bible says. You can actually renew your mind, the Bible says. Neuroscientists believe for years you couldn't, but now they know you can't. And we're going to come back to that because it's important. So let's look at the word mind. The word mind literally means the use of the mind, proper movement from one side of an issue to the other to reach balanced conclusion, full-orbed reasoning or critical thinking, dialectical thinking that literally reaches across the other side of a matter. 
You guys, when the Bible talks about loving God with all of your mind, this is not check your mind at the door. For this to be effective and for you and I to know and feel the love of God, you're going to have to change belief systems that you have that don't get in line with what he already says about you. He already says that he loves you and you are a son and a daughter that he delights in. But most of us don't feel that delightful sometimes. And I'm telling you, God wants to change our thinking. Amen. Amen. I was messing with first service. Jason, how many of you guys heard last week when Jason talked about just literally dealing with sexual issues and struggles in the culture? Was it so good? I told him it's probably one of my favorite sermons he ever did. And first service was getting kind of quiet like this. And I said, well, then I'm going to get Jason up here talking about sex again. You guys will be. S- All right. Turn your Bibles to first John. I want to run through a few scriptures and then we're going to um, invite the worship team uh, back because we're going to press into worship a little bit this morning before we go. First John 4, 7. So first John is written by John, the beloved um, John, who wrote the gospel of John in the book of Revelation. It's interesting to me that John wrote first, second and third John near the end of his life. Probably just a few years before he wrote the book of Revelation, John writes to this. Now, John understood something that most disciples didn't. Have you noticed in the Gospel of John that when he refers to himself, he always refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved? Did you notice that? He doesn't say, hey, John, he just, how many of you guys think that's almost arrogant? Come on, isn't that a little weird? Like, like you refer to yourself as the one that Jesus loves. But church, what if he had revelation that got him to understand that he was loved so much that he actually wrote it down and said, no, he loves me. I actually get the love that he has for me. And not only am I going to write it down, I'm going to talk about it. This context of 1 John is the most condensed place in Scripture by far where love is talked about. 21 different times the word love is used in 15 verses. This passage, I pray you'll go study it because it gives us insight to God's heart, but it also gives us insight to how you and I should be living. So we're going to pick up 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love who? Dear friends, let us do what? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is now, uh, or this is how God showed his love among us. He, excuse me, man, I'm losing my spot. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The culture that we live in, you guys, is extremely challenging because it teaches that love is all about self. 
It's all about receiving. God says love is all about giving. So look at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For where does love come from, you guys? For love comes from God. And everyone that is born of God knows. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is what? And then it goes on to tell us that he showed his love by doing what? So it tells us, number one, God is love. And then he showed us his love by letting his son come to this earth and being sacrificed. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking this morning that you would grip every one of our hearts. I'm asking this morning, Father, that your spirit would move in this room. Those watching through the live stream. God, would you open our hearts? Would you show us areas where love is not being perfected? Would you touch every area of life that might hinder your love? And God, in this next season, would each one of us do the work necessary to learn to love like Jesus? Lord, I don't want to just say the words, I want to love like Jesus. I really want to live out how you love. So this morning, I pray that you would break into this service, every one of our hearts. Give us the ability to be brutally honest with ourselves, that we would learn to love you and to love others well in Jesus' name. Amen? Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Everybody say spirit. Is God's spirit love? Is the Holy Spirit love? So if you and I have the Holy Spirit in us, if God is in us and his spirit is in us, then his love is in us, and that should be automatically the overflow out of the Spirit. Why is it not always? Why is it so challenging? Why do I feel like I do that pretty well most of the time, but then sometimes not at all? Hmm. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Everybody say day of judgment. judgment. Say God is love. love. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like who? We are like who? So in Genesis, the word likeness literally says this is how we are to act. In the New Testament, it tells us that we in this world are like Jesus. This might be a really good. If some of you say, I don't have a life verse, you might want to make this your life verse. Being like Jesus. So the Greek word in context here is just like the Hebrew word in Genesis 1. It's in my likeness. I want you to love just like I love. I am love, God says, and my hope for you between heaven and earth is that you learn to love people like I love people. Jesus got in trouble all the time from the religious leadership, all the time for hanging out with the wrong people. 
you ever notice that? They literally go to his disciples and they ask him, they said, hey, does your rabbi even know who he's eating with? Does your, does your rabbi even know that he's hanging out with those people? Why do I say that? Because as Christians, we say love, but we're so polarized in our culture that we love until it becomes hot topic. Hello? I said we love until it becomes hot topic. We, we love well until it becomes a divisional place. We love well until, well, well, pastor, I can love well until it comes to, you know, Democrats and Republicans. That's where I draw the line. Or I can love well when it comes to certain things. But then if you get into Israel and Palestine, I have to draw the line there. Can I tell you that Jesus loves every single person ever? Always. And he says, I want you to love the same way. But I'm so divided because of why? Belief systems that I've been taught. Certain things that even the church has taught me. It's like, no, I'm going to stand for this. Well, good. Stand for things that you think are right. But can you do it by being so kind that the person that you disagree with wants to hang out with you? How do you know if love really works? The person that doesn't even agree with you, you will be your friend because that's what scripture says. If you walk in love, you will find favor with God and man. So you could go hang out with somebody that has political or other difference, completely opposite, but they still want to hang out with you. You're like, wow, I don't even agree with you. Yeah, but you're really nice to me. You're kind to me. I pray that you and I would learn how to be kind. So this week as I'm reading, I, I, I've read this passage hundreds of times in my life. But I want to hit part of it because it struck me this week. It, it was overwhelming to me this week. Verse 17. This is how love is made complete. Everybody say complete. complete. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. Wow. This is how love is made complete so that we would have confidence on the day of judgment. Some of the scariest words to me are the words of Jesus. And he's talking about us. He's talking to Christians. And he says on that day, everybody say on that day. He's talking about this day. The day of judgment. So when Jesus in this context says on that day, many and he's talking about us, he's talking to Christians, not not. He's talking to us on that day, the day of judgment. Many will come to me and they will say to me, Lord, Lord. And here's what they're going to say. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? How many guys know people that are doing the stuff? Come on, get the context, you guys. He's talking to Christians who are actually doing ministerial things. And then he says the scariest thing on earth to me. Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I prophesy? And then I believe with tears streaming down his face, Jesus is going to look at multitudes of people and go, I don't know you. I think they're the scariest words any Christian is ever going to hear. I don't know you, man. I don't think he's mad. I don't think he's angry. I think he's heartbroken 
Because there's people that are doing the Christian stuff and they think they're good with God and they think when they get to judgment day, everything's going to find. And Jesus says this himself, I don't know you. Why? Because you didn't learn how to love. And I've never been in a culture that is more polarized. I mean, Christians against Christians. I can't even read this stuff online. I mean, leaders hating other leaders because of disagreements on theology and eschatology where we're just spewing hate because, well, he's an idiot. And I'm like, you guys, we need to stop it. We better get heaven to earth. We better get the love of the Father. I'm not kidding. We better start to really get honest with our own self because it's easy to get swept into the big crowd of polarization and get on the Christian train of this thing and that thing and bad thing. And it's like, hey, you can have whatever opinion you want, but be honest with yourself. Are you so full of God's love that you have compassion for the people that you don't like? Do you care more that that person might go to hell or that they might get a position that you don't like? And John's writing, in this world, we are like Jesus. The Greek context there is just as he is, corresponding to fully or exactly. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I really, really, really want to learn how to love well. I don't want to say the words. I don't want to get up on Sundays and preach about it. I don't want to say, hey, you guys, we really need to work hard. Let's get into some classes. Let's go to counseling. Let's seek God because we really want to learn to love well. And everybody said, yeah, that was a big amen. I said, we really need to love well. Amen. Yeah, I know. Here's the scary thing. I've been amening for 40 years. I'm coming up on 40 years of being a Christian. And here's what's shocking. Over the last few years of really hard work, a lot of counseling, personal assessment, I've allowed myself to get brutally honest about how much I really love, about how much I really love myself, about how much I really love God and trust God. And here's the challenging thing. There's areas in my life where I don't completely trust God. And I could have never said that a few years ago. I wouldn't allow myself to say it. There's areas of my life that I'm not looking like Jesus in every area. My prayer for all of us is that we would all do the hard work necessary to let the love of God break so deeply inside of us that we would learn to really love like Jesus. Not just say we love like Jesus until it comes to situations where then I get angry and frustrated or treat people certain ways. And so I'm going to ask if you would stand with me right now. And I want to press back into worship and I asked Mike to sing. We sang it first song this morning. I love this song. I, found, I finally found where I belong. I want to get us to a place, you guys, where the presence of Jesus will change your life.
I'm not saying don't do devotions because I think you should. I'm not saying don't study the word because I think you should. But after we sing, you guys are going to be getting a handout. It's going to be some, some homework <laughs> if you want to do it. After we worship, I'll walk through this with you really quick because this tool changed my life. Some of you know my dear friend, Robbie Booth. He walks you through a process that if you're willing to get brutally honest about it, you can see certain things about your life that you may not even want to say. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. But my desire is to really love well. And what I found out is if you don't love yourself really, really well, you're not going to love others well. If you can't be brutally honest about some of the self-hatred, some of the other areas and issues that you and I face every day, there's no one in the room that doesn't have something they don't like about themselves. Unless you're like a nuclear narcissist and then, and then we want to help you. We have counseling for that too. But the presence of Jesus changes everything, you guys. And I don't think that many of us understand really His presence. When you learn to sit with Him and be with Him and not just do for Him, something starts changing. Something starts shifting. People can say super offensive things to you and it's like, I just don't feel as offended as I used to get. I just don't feel the hurt and the pain that I used to feel. I feel love and kindness. And now when I walk into any meeting, I'm, I'm just asking the Lord to help me. Lord, you said your heart is always reconciliation and love. Do I even think that way? Do I walk into a meeting with reconciliation in my mind or making my point? For many years, it was build the kingdom. And now I'm trying to learn to love. And I want to sing this song, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you areas of insight that the spirit of truth would come as we sing, that each one of us in this next season would learn to be with him in that garden, in that place where he lives that heaven would literally come to earth and that love would start overwhelming us instead of busyness and hiding. So Jesus, break in as we sing. Open our hearts like never before. Help us today. Lord, I pray for your healing touch even as we sing. Heal the hurt and the pain and the brokenness that many of us still have. Work deeply in areas of family and friends and issues, God. Do it today as we worship you.